Hey guys, it's Christy May, and this is Girls Gone Wild Podcast. You're listening to Girls Gone Wild. This is Joy. And this is Claire. And you're listening to episode 55. 55. I almost forgot. <laughs> and we have a guest today. Um, we are here with Chrissy May. And um, how do you say your last name? Cagney. Cagney. Yes. Chrissy May Cagney. Everyone just calls me Cags. Perfect. Yeah. <laughs> well, welcome, Cags. Um, from Donuts and Deadlifts and from all sorts of places. Oh, yeah. All over. Yeah, you're just all, all over the place. I'm a jack of all trades. Yeah. <laughs> and I was looking at your... Uh, knuckle tattoos? Yes. Lone, yeah. A lone wolf. So well. I have lone wolf on the upper upper knuckles, but recently I'm not a lone wolf anymore. I have a man friend now, so <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what to do about them. Um, yeah, and then my, my lower knuckles say meathead. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. Badass. It sums me up. We could probably Mwah. spend an entire two days talking <laughs> about your fun. awesome tattoos. Yeah. Your tattoos. Yeah. Got a tattoo. Yes, yeah, we're recording. We're recording. <laughs> Okay. Come on in. So we are at we are at Claire's. Chris, but awesome. Oh, is that? Oh, is that? That's the bosom. The bosom. Sorry. (laughs) We're at Claire's place of employment, you guys. So yeah, we gotta be. Yeah, gotta be legit. Um. Okay. So let's get started with your story. I really want to know your background. I know you come from a lot of different types of of positions in the health world. So how did you get started? And you have quite the story, girlfriend. I do. It's 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 quite amazing. Um, Yeah. So it's like a little lifetime original movie. It literally is. People are always like, when are you going to write a book? I'm like, I wouldn't even know how to write a book. How yeah. do you would totally be an Oprah. <laughs> start, oh <laughs> start at the beginning. Yeah. I don't even remember. And then finish at the end. Um, so I got into, I'll start with kind of how I got into the industry. My yeah. parents are both triathletes. Mm-hmm. I was born and raised in Hawaii. They met doing triathlons in Hawaii. So I was kind of like born into it. I was mm-hmm. literally born into it. They actually did a relay race right after I was born. They passed me off. I, well, they did a triathlon. So oh my gosh. they are gung ho <laughs> people. So I definitely get it from them. Um, I thought you were going to say like your mom gave birth during a triathlon. <laughs> during a triathlon. She was training at yeah. the finish line. <laughs> she was, she was training up until a week before I was born though, running, cycling. Oh, she was one of those. Yeah. Yep. And the doctor's like, what are you doing? And she's like, I'm fine. I know my body. Yeah. So that's so cool. Yeah. She's super woman she's awesome um so I started we moved to Reno Nevada when I was in high school and then I started personal training in college as like a side job because my mom was a personal trainer 24-hour fitness so it's just kind of what I started doing started teaching spin immediately got involved at a young age it was supposed to just be a side job in college and then um I'll get into the whole alcohol, drug addiction, all that stuff. All in time. Yeah. Yeah. So all that was going on at the same time. So I was kind of like in and out of the industry. And then I graduated from college and got a job as the health and wellness director for Anytime Fitness in Northern Nevada. Got fired because I did something the owner didn't agree with. So I said, okay, I'm just going to be independent and try to do this on my own. Mm -hmm. Um, um, started traveling to do boot camps and all that stuff. I think you guys, you guys have had Fee on your show before. Yes. Fee. Yeah. Her and I met. Two and a half years ago, on by Instagram, because cool. her boyfriend used to, her ex boyfriend's a tattoo artist who I knew. So we actually started something called Bamfit. Yeah. And do you remember. guys remember yeah, that? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So her and I used to post these like anywhere challenges, like workouts yes. you could do anywhere for like really hardcore anywhere workouts. So her and I started that, and then everything on Instagram really took off, and it opened a lot of doors for me. Social media definitely. So then I got into CrossFit because of her as well, and okay. Dave Driscoll. Everyone knows. Dave yeah. Driscoll. So, and then um, and Petit Fee was what, episode eight? Yeah, she was pretty. Yeah, we'll so to go for back. those who want to go back and listen, yeah. Yeah. that was a fun interview. <laughs> yeah, it was, she was our first like interview of like actual interview. Yeah. And we were like, oh my God. <laughs> so nervous. Really cool. Except yeah. I remember at one point, Joy was like, you have an amazing body. And I was like, oh my God, Joy. <laughs> she does. She does. <laughs> Her body fat's like never been over 10%. Her body's naturally She's just naturally just like built well. Yeah. You know what yeah. I mean? She's impressive yeah. for sure. Um, but you have a yeah. pretty amazing body too. I'm just going to go ahead and say that. <laughs> Thank you. Beautiful pictures. I'm like, oh. Thank you so much. Awesome. Thank you. Um, yeah, her and I did the Bamfit thing that took off. Uh, we started kind of traveling around doing boot camps and all that. And then I hosted a boot, it was this was back during like the boot camp craze. I think it was like early, I want to say 2012, early 2012. That sounds about right. Yeah. And so I did some in Southern California and then I met Brandon Chiapati who owns Rise Above Fitness in Southern California. And at this point I was pretty heavy into CrossFit. And he said to me, he's like, I'd really like for you to move down here and work at my gym. 
So I kind of just packed up all my shit, moved down there, and worked at his gym. I wasn't going to turn that down. So I walk in his gym, and I'm like, I'm 5'8", and I weighed like 135 at the time. I'm like a buck 75 now. Mm-hmm. I walked into his gym, and I thought I was fit. I might have been fit, but I was not strong. There's every girl in there could squat, back squat 300 pounds. Oh They're all deadlifting upward 400. So I walk in there, and like, I'm, guys. I'm like the, this lean little girl, and everyone's like, who's this chick? You know, and I'm like, oh, my God, I'm so weak. So <laughs> I, like, immediately started strength training, and there's two really well-known powerlifters that coach and train at that gym, and they immediately got me into powerlifting, and it's just I never turned back. <laughs> so What did start, you like about it? What drew you to that? The food. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You, and you know what? I said it in there today I just did the seminar for um, CrossFit Elevation and I said in there today there's no feeling like hitting a PR like that empowerment of feeling strong and hitting PRs and just feeling strong is the best feeling in the world to me and just constantly challenging my body and seeing what it's capable of and seeing the improvements like getting getting leaner each week's cool but getting stronger each week's badass yeah (laughs) so I just I just kept getting stronger and my knowledge kept like my thirst for knowledge kept getting Never quenched. Yeah, I was like thirsty. I was gonna say thirsty. I was like thirstier. My thirst for knowledge was never quenched. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, I just uh, that's when I got Westside Barbell certified because I got so into it. So I started training Westside Barbell. Then I got the cert, um, and then I st- totally steered away from NASM and CrossFit and all that stuff. And so really, I've just stuck with strength, like full blown strength and conditioning ever since then. So then, now we'll get into the nutrition stuff. I became an FNS through NASM and like, which is a fitness nutrition specialist in 2011. And then I was always interested in nutrition, but I was a very clean eater and only eat clean and don't eat anything bad. And I under ate a lot. So um, Brandon, she probably owns Rapkin, and he's like, you have an eating disorder and it's not good and you need to do something about it. So being in the position I was in to like inspire a lot of people, I kind of was very open about it and told people about the steps I was going to take. So I started just doing a ton of research about food and about fueling my body. So I rehab my metabolism by reverse dieting up to like being able to eat 4,000 calories a day on my training. Yeah. And so then when I realized I could do that, I found um, Lane Norton, Dr. Norton. He's actually doing a seminar here in two days that I'm going to. And talking about flexible dieting and eating to perform and stuff like that. So since um, in college, personal training was my side job while I was in school. I went to school for criminal psychology. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so it's always really weird. Yeah. Yeah. People are like, oh, you went, you have a master's in dietetics. So I'm like, no, criminal psychology. <laughs> really weird. Yeah. So um, I had my master's at this point in time, but all my electives all throughout college were in like nutrition and yeah. stuff like that because that's what fascinated me. Yeah. I've always been into it. So rather than picking all the really easy classes like most people right. do. It was Every like dance. all nutrition. Yeah, it was like always nutrition. I had the weirdest looking transcripts ever. So <laughs> I got a whole. Isn't that interesting though? It's kind of like your calling was just like, yeah, this is really what I want to do, but I'm doing the responsible thing. Right. And I was trying, yeah. I was going to go to law school and yeah. I had it all like figured out. So yeah. um, I presented my, my transcripts and then I got approved to enter the program to become a registered dietitian. Uh, did a huge internship and then I finally got registered about a year ago. Where was your internship? I was with a friend's practice down in Southern California. Oh, okay, cool. So it, it was nice to get a work for a friend, and it was somebody who got who I shared my philosophy with, but I was literally, like, the bitch. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I had, it was so, like, tedious and just constant. Like, and he did it for a reason. He had me just constantly, because people just send their life stories about their food. Right. Yeah. And I would just read, but it's crazy to just, he did it on purpose so I could see how different everybody, totally. everybody's sure. life. Like no single person is the same when it comes to nutrition. So that's why I'm really pride myself on like taking each account. So individually. And back when you said you were under eating, do you think it had more to do with just the culture of fitness or do, was there other stuff going on? Yeah, there was, I was, I tried to bodybuild for a while. Yeah. I tried to do figure and bikini yeah. and I couldn't ever get big enough a figure because I wasn't eating <laughs> so I was always stuck with bikini and the bodybuilding world is very six small meals a day right boiled chicken boiled tilapia everything very structured and that's it's kind of like moving out of that right now into like the flexible dieting and macros thing but it's just so old school and the whole right and egg whites and there with your Tupperware of like one cup of broccoli and then yeah. like three ounces of yeah. And it's, yeah, it's just not healthy. And I was just under eating. And I might have been eating a lot of food by volume because I was eating so many vegetables and 
so I'm sitting here thinking to myself, like, oh, I'm eating so much. But I was eating like under a thousand calories a day. But at the time, did you think like that's the healthy thing yeah. to do? Yeah, yeah, totally. And yeah. you know what? Even I could even say it right now. Back in like 2011, when I started to get pretty well known, I would give people shitty meal plans because I thought it was right. Yeah. And I would send people meal plans that were not good. I'd be like egg whites for breakfast, and right. you know, and I didn't know what I was talking about. And I, even though I had, and it's funny because it's like even when I sat in my nutrition colleges and or my nutrition classes in college, it's like I only picked and chose what I wanted to hear. Right. Because yeah. I now going back, I remember hearing everything I know now, but I remember just only honing in on what I thought was important right. information. Yeah. I feel like that's everybody when it comes to dieting. Oh, yeah. Like, and you like you are led to believe one thing, and so once you hear that enough, like it's, no matter how much you hear against in it, your head. right? Like carbs are bad or fat is bad. It's like. I, it's so hard to tell people, like, actually, like, working here, I've had a couple people come to me and be like, hey, how do I lean out? And I'm like, well, you know, what are you eating? And, and they're like, well, you know, I eat really low fat. I'm like, okay, stop doing that. Yeah. And I'm like, fat's not going to make you fat. And they just look at me like I have three heads. Yeah. I'm like, no, really. It's, and that's not the problem. I, I totally understand what you're coming to him, and I get so frustrated. But then my mom, because uh, my, my mom's like my go-to mm-hmm. when I call the bitch about everything. But I have no reason to bitch about anything, though. But I call her and I say, like, this, this, and this. And she's like, if you were talking to an engineer, and, you know, she's like, right. you wouldn't know. Well, no, the true. hell. And so she's like, people don't know about nutrition. People go, it's all like hearsay or, you know. And so she she tells me, she's like, this is your job and this is your calling, you know, mm-hmm. to inform people the best you can. And so it's, it's I love getting to teach people. Like sitting in the seminar day teaching 45 people about how to fuel their bodies and everyone was engaged and mm-hmm. taking notes and writing shit down. I was like, this is awesome. Mm-hmm. I was pumped. Mm-hmm. I love what I do. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so I interrupted you. Yeah. So you got so <laughs> I don't even know. I know where we place. left off. So I think it was um, your work in at the gym in California. Yes. So I am a recovering addict and alcoholic. I used and drank for about 10 years. I got sober uh, right when I turned 26. So um, I was still, I had gotten over the drug use, but the drinking was still really heavy living in Southern California. And I have my story up, uh, a detailed story about it on my website. On your website. Yeah. Yes, which if is? Any, yeah. KMAKAGS.com. Yes. So, um, K M A E C A G S. So, and we yeah. linked to it also on our, our Facebook okay. yesterday. Mm-hmm. So yeah, there's um, if you want, if anyone wants to read the detailed story about why I quit drinking, it's uh, hard, it's a hard read. It was hard for me to write. Yeah, I was gonna say when I when I was reading, it, I felt it. Yeah, I was just like, this is really intense. It, That's it, it, I really opened up when yeah. I wrote about some of the things that like took which, place the weekend I quit drinking, which is why I think you need to write a book. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Claire and I were you. Both like, you need to write a book. <laughs> when I was reading that, I'm like, this, I need this to, needs to be a book. I, I'm pretty good at writing, but I feel like. I, I would need someone to help me with that, like organize my thoughts. Yeah, because I'm, I'm all editors are for it. Yeah, exactly. There's, there's a word for that. Yeah, yes. Like, there's <laughs> like here, here's I just write everything in the hand, write everything in hand. I'm like a thousand right. pages. I'm like here, make this a book. There you go. <laughs> yep. yep. Uh, so yeah, I quit drinking Memorial Day weekend of 2013. So I quit drinking. And it opened up my eyes to a lot of things that were going on in Southern California, at my gym, with my so-called friends, relationships. And I just realized how unhappy and unhealthy I was down there and that my there was no upward mobility for my career because of my situation. Yeah, I was promoting somebody else's business. You know, I was putting all my heart into somebody else's gym that was never going to be mine Mm -hmm. and I had friends who were using me and taking advantage of me and so when I got sober it really opened up my eyes to a lot of things so I didn't know what I wanted to do so I went and did seminars in New York City I had been in New York City like 10 times but every time I was drunk (laughs) shit show party you know and so I was like oh I love New York City because it's party time well I went to New York City in the fall of last year and I like saw New York City sober for 10 days and I fell in love Mm-hmm. I like felt at home, and I've never really felt like I've had a home because yeah. I lived in Reno, and I like ruined my life there with drugs and alcohol, and then right. Southern California. Well, where in Hawaii did you grow up? Inahina, Oahu, okay. outside of Honolulu. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, I was very young when I was there, and so I just never really felt like anywhere was home. Mm-hmm. And I got to New York, and I was like, "This is home." Like That's I just awesome. felt at home. So I was telling everybody there at the center, I was like, "I'm gonna move here," and everyone's like, "You're just excited. You're not gonna right. move here." I'm like, "No, I'm gonna move here, guys. No. I'm gonna move here." 
Yeah. So I got back to Southern California and I looked at my business partner and I was like, I'm going to move to New York. And he's like, oh, in like six months? I'm like, no, in like six weeks. <laughs> he was like, what? I was like, sorry. So I like told all my clients, but they understood. Yeah. So I literally stole everything, packed up my rowers. <laughs> And my art and my books, <laughs> and moved across the country. Picked up my yeah, and then just got went got to New York, and so I got there, and I'm I'm just been so much more like focused That's and awesome. driven, and opening a gym this year called Black Iron, mm-hmm. old okay. school powerlifting and weightlifting gym. Nice. Yeah, excited. So where in New York do you live? I'm I live in Chelsea. Okay, so I'm like in Manhattan. Yeah, it's craziness. That's awesome. It's fun. Really so fun. next time we go to NYC, yeah, you guys, I gotta, get off I got an extra room, so you guys got a place to stay. Brandon's got, got a, a pregnant sister lives on the Upper West Side, so she's not gonna be pregnant for a whole lot longer. We gotta yeah. get out there <laughs> once the sea monkey becomes child. Yes. So tell us about the evolution of donuts and deadlifts. Okay, so it started off as a joke. So it was funny because there was one day we used to always um, every Sunday we used to get donuts, and. Uh, Sunday was also always deadlift days, coincidentally, so mm-hmm. we used to joke around that we were going to go, because donuts are always, like, my pre-workout. I also appreciate how you spell donuts, it's like, the full, yes. full spelling, the way. and not the dough. It's not the American yeah. way. The American no. lazy way is the lazy way. Yeah. Like, people start spelling night, N-I-T-E, and, like, yeah. since when is that Yeah, like? never. Yeah, not okay. Um. <laughs> so just as a side note, it's, uh, she's at K-M-A-E-C-A-G-S for Instagram, and then also at Donuts and Deadlifts on Instagram. Yes. Donuts. Dough. Dough. Like, nuts. like the real dough. Like a nut yes. of dough. Yeah. Uh, so we used to always joke around. I've always been like a donut fiend, like living in Southern California. I was right, I was lived literally right between Sidecar Donuts and uh, the Donuttery. So it was like always a thing to go get donuts. And I don't know what it is with Southern Californian donuts. Mm-hmm. And I know donuts have become like a more popular trend recently yeah. especially yeah. like the past month or two I've noticed but Southern California there's a donut shop on every corner it's yeah. crazy so I think that's where I kind of really donuts, got into it donuts we're making their comeback <laughs> yeah they're coming back they're beating cupcakes <laughs> they're the dessert of America now no, no, no yeah. more cake balls no oh, cake pops are so good <laughs> donut yeah. pops Ooh, now donut hole pops there we go now I like a cake pop <laughs> yeah you can make a donut like lollipop it would be kind of a big stick though but it would like look like a lollipop that'd be adorable <laughs> Yeah, donuts are tough to make. Where, where is all the donut places you've gone to since you've been in Denver? Because I'm sure everyone's Denver, like, well, obviously, Voodoo. obviously Voodoo, because I used to, I lived in Portland for a little bit because I dated a guy there, so been to Voodoo a bunch, and then somebody brought Lamar's today, and that's all I've been to so far. Yeah, but tomorrow I have a day off. The Glazed and confused, I've heard, is really that off. is here. Yeah, Ooh. just open. They like literally this. They're originally so they, from Texas. Are I they? Think. They yeah. just, so they tried to. I follow them on Facebook. They tried to open. Such a tangent, whatever. A tried to open a kitchen and then it flooded, so they've been closed for like two weeks and they just reopened this week, like for the first time tomorrow. You should. I'm gonna go tomorrow. Yeah, there you go. So yeah, the donuts and deadlifts thing. Uh, and then what's the place that Julie Bauer told us about last week? Ah, it's gonna drive me crazy. No, yeah. you can't remember. Like, no, but it's like paleo vegan yeah. donuts. It's like vegan not. donuts are actually really good. Yeah, there's a couple of spots in New York that are really good. Yeah, vegan donuts. They're all like dense and stuff. Yeah. Uh, we'll think of it. Anyway. Yes. yes. What's Don't your favorite kind of donut? Do you get that question all the okay, time? Okay, so here's the thing. <laughs> I can talk about this for an hour. So the, the way to tell if a donut shop is really good is uh-huh. just based off their basic glazed or basic I cinnamon sugar. Okay. So if a shop can make a very, very good glaze, just basic glazed or plain cinnamon mm-hmm. sugar, that's a good indicator that that shop's really okay. good. Because what shops do is they will just put so much like icing it's like and the same with sushi. Like you can tell a good sushi restaurant by their basic rolls. Exactly, and not what's fried and right. like all yeah, yeah anything ornamental. Up. Yeah. So a lot of these donut shops you go to, they try to like overdo it. Yeah. And so you don't. You're like like Voodoo. I, I hate to talk shit about Voodoo, but Voodoo overdoes it. I it's agree. a spectacle, and yep. it's all the cereal and everything they put on it. Like yeah. it's really fun and cool, yeah. and I get it's kind of culty the whole thing. Right. Sure. And it's and fun, it's, and it's like an experience. It's you're an experience. right, yeah. and it's right. fun and it's tacky, it's and like the an donuts event. are good. Yeah. You can get married there if you want to. Yes, it's like so the whole thing's cool, <laughs> but Voodoo's donuts aren't very good. Yeah. So I always the first thing I always do is is I try like the gla- just the basic glaze of the cinnamon sugar, but. I am just a really big fan of weird, of weird combos. So there's uh-huh. a place in New York that has like a, 
a, a blood orange basil. Ooh. And then um, we went to, you know, <laughs> stuff like that's crazy. There's a sriracha raspberry oh, they have good. at Del Loco. Like, I like the really crazy stuff. Mm-hmm. Where we, we had a rosemary blueberry one. Oh, one wow. Summer. That's so any like... kind of weird, Blue Star Donuts in Portland, Oregon's like Blue probably Star. the, yeah. There's an ice cream place really in San Francisco right that makes that's reminding me of this. And they have like sea urchin ice cream. Oh, have you heard of Oddfellows ice cream in New York City? Uh-huh. They have. I went the other day. They had chorizo ice cream. What? Chorizo ice cream, and they actually the boiled. Door. They actually boil the chorizo all the way down and take like the remnants. So there's actual chorizo in this ice cream. They have, like burnt good? caramel. Yes. You it's should amazing. go to Sweet Action then. Really? There's a there's not the salt and the straw in Portland. Portland's got yeah. all the good places. Sweet <laughs> Action is good. Yeah, right. <laughs> so yeah, I don't anyway. so, yeah. <laughs> I, and it's so funny because people are probably listening to this being like, this chick's a registered dietitian. I'm like, ugh. <laughs> well, I just like, really like sugar. Of today in the seminar, I was like, kind of got a little bit. Yeah, she's she, uh, she's a re- she does research development, uh-huh. so she's very she was. I sat down and talked to her, and she explained to me today. She goes, I'm just all data and numbers. Yeah. And for me to make sense of anything, I need to see data and numbers. So she was talking about one study done on fruit about the fiber content. Just one study she had read. And she didn't didn't know any of the science to what I do, and she didn't know my background or anything like Mm -hmm. that. So I think she was having a hard time wrapping her head around my philosophy a little bit, mm-hmm. which is completely fine. I'm so open-minded and open. Well, and I think, yeah. like, well, if you're coming from any kind, I mean, anything, like, even when I first, you know, signed up for the seminar, um, it was, like, really? Like, is this one of those people who's, like, you know, just the if it fits your macros? Like, no. you know, I don't want to, like, you know, yeah, Michael Phelps can eat it. Like, we were just talking about this last week. We had Julie Bauer on the, the podcast from PaleoMG. Uh-huh. And afterwards, we were talking about... Um, the type of people who are like, well, Michael Phelps eats, eats Big Macs. Like, well, Michael Phelps is a freaking Michael Phelps who swims 12 hours a day. Right. He's like, training like eight hours right. a day. Right. Or people who are like, well, you know, Rich Froning, or who was it? Tommy Hackenbrook went to Chuck E. Cheese in the middle of regionals. It's like Tommy Hackenbrook burned like 30,000 calories that week. Right. Like, what are you going to, you know? And so it's like, I don't know. So I can see coming from, especially coming from paleo and especially coming from like the whole 30 mindset where it's like no added anything, you know, and then being told, Hey, if you want to eat gummy bears, sometimes eat gummy bears. Sometimes right. I could see people being like, wait a minute. People, that's so like, and it's just all. Of, and I explain to people constantly because I don't, I hate the term if it fits your macros. Mm-hmm. Like it's not, it's, it's a very, it's turned into like a total trend and it's, it's completely warped as to what it is, and that's why I named my book Flexible Dieting, and I, I, right. I don't even mention if it fits your macros. Like, I hate the idea of thinking, eat whatever you want if it fits your macros, because you shouldn't. You should be eating nutrient-dense foods, yeah. and with if you have the room to eat, you know, like, you don't have to ever feel guilty if, if you do make it fit your macros, right? Mm-hmm. It's not just like, oh, eat all the shit you want, you know? Right. So it's like I kind of try to ingrain into people's minds – to, especially since I'm so focused on athletic performance and right. a performance-based diet, yeah. for someone to consume, take myself, I'll use myself as an example, I consume 300 grams of carbs a day. That is hard to do for me. I do not like carbs. I, I'm a fan of fat. My mm-hmm. palate likes fat. My body likes carbs. My body recovers well on carbs, performs well on carbs, and looks good with lots of carbs. So for me to consume 300 grams of carbs when I don't like pasta, I don't really like bread, right. you know, it's really hard for me to do. And I don't like fruit. So I choose, I love donuts though. Right. There you go. So I choose to have a donut so a day or can so. Can you talk a little bit just about how you came to that part of knowing your body of, of eating that way? Yeah. Well, and also I want to say it's interesting that it seems like you've gone the whole spectrum. Like you yeah. went from physique Competing, right? And now are, you know, have your life built around strength training, right? Yeah, yeah. it's it's crazy how it so, much so to it's how changed. like the experience from that whole spectrum. And, yeah, and that's too. one that's one thing I think that like differs for me. I've done everything, I've tried yeah. everything, and right. I understand the appeal to all of it. But I was just sitting in here talking to a girl, uh, right as the seminar was ending, about her saying how she always feels hungry. And we are not, as humans, designed to be able to deal with hunger. You know right. what I mean? Especially, like, this day and age. And, like, eat when you're hungry. And I'm just a really big advocate of that. You don't need to time your meals out. Like, I think nutrient timing is important. But 
eat when you're hungry, eat intuitively, listen mm-hmm. to your body, give into your cravings. You can't fight your body on its cravings. It's craving things for a reason. And so right. I've always been one of those people. If you're craving sugar, find a way to get a little bit of sugar in your body so you don't continue to crave it because that sets people up for binges big time. But I'm a really big advocate of intuitive eating. And I get people who can't do the macro thing because it's numbers that kill people, especially if you have an unhealthy relationship. Right, with like that. Not, not that you necessarily have enough. I, I, I have did. Enough and that's, but right. that's Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that you always talk about that, so that will freak me out. Yeah, like we've talked about on the podcast. I used to do a lot of zone, and I have done really well with zone, zone. and that makes me well, yeah. And so, like, I've done really well with zone, and because I'm able to have some kind of the kind of relationship with it, where it's like I don't care how many blocks I eat per day. It's just that everything I eat is in blocks. That's what works for me. But when people, because I can have that detachment where I'm like, whether I have. 10 blocks or 20 blocks in a day is not the point. Right. Other people can't. They're like, well, I have to have the same number of blocks every day. And that's where it starts to get. Obsessive. Like, right. Exactly. Unhealthy. And that's what's, the, what's it called? Not orthorexia. It's called. Um, orthorexia. Orthorexia is when you're like afraid of food. Right. Uh, d- anyway. Dysnomia? Nope. That's something else. That's when you forget words. <laughs> same thing. <laughs> anyway. Like now. Yeah. Like, like right now. Yeah. Kind of ironic, right. but that's the word that keeps <laughs> Yeah, I just, I really worry about people who upset, like, so I personally don't track my macros anymore, but it's because I, we were talking about the, how, the joke about how I have a stupid human trick where I can right. know, I can look at a piece of meat and know exactly what it weighs. So there's right, a fun game. Because yeah, you have, you know yourself so yeah, well. Yeah, and so my body is so, I'm so in tune with my body when I eat. It's like, it's really weird. I just know when I have what I need in my body. Mm-hmm. And people think it's super weird, but I've been doing this. And I really, I took like three months off of tracking my macros and just did all intuitive eating and I, I made sure I was still getting adequate food and not overeating, but I just tried to be really intuitive. And I'm at the point now where I've just listened to my body so much. And I was telling people in there, I have a habit. I'll show it to you. I write down everything I do in the gym and how I feel when I did it. So, I mean, like, I have every workout with notes about how I felt when I did it, like, written down. I have, like, 30 of these filled yeah. up. Yeah. yeah. And it's just a habit I keep. So I have my food logged in my phone for the most part most days. And then I train, and I make a note every single time I train how I felt. And yeah. I go back and I look at my food. So, so then, yeah. Well, yeah. So then, how do you apply that with your eating? Um, I'll look back and I'll, you know, I'll go in. And I'll see. Okay, I, you know, I like for today. I haven't eaten enough today. I know if I were to go train right now, I wouldn't feel great. But the days I train really, really well, I go and I look at what I ate beforehand, gotcha. okay. and I just sort of over over the course of like three months, I just really nailed it down. So most people need carbs before they train. I've kind of come to find out that I just need fat, and for yeah. the longest time, I thought I needed carbs to train. My body reacts to fat so much better mm-hmm. for training purposes and carbs for recovery purposes. So I eat all protein and fat before I train, up until I train, and then after I train, the rest of the night it's all carbs and protein. And that was just over years of trial. Yeah. And, and that's what works for that's what works for me. Yeah. I used to literally try so hard to nutrient time and like get my carbs in at the exact amount two hours before I train, and it it's like. I kept thinking it was going to work, and it just didn't work. So I just stopped trying it, and I tried something else, and it's just super trial and error. Most people need carbs before they train, but I don't – my body's just – So we have had we actually had a couple of listeners who wanted to hear you talk a little bit more about nutrient timing. Okay. So what do you what do you mean when you're talking about nutrient timing? So nutrient timing – the mac, three macronutrients are proteins, carbs, and fat. Mm-hmm. So with nutrient timing, the whole thing is, is timing your carbs and your fat, right? Your protein should be evenly distributed out through the course of the day. For it to maximize muscle protein synthesis. So for as far as carbs are concerned, since carbs get turned into all carbs eventually get broken down into glucose. Mm-hmm. So from a training standpoint, glucose is your main source of energy to perform well. So the whole thing and to recover well. So mm-hmm. the whole thing is having carbs around your training times to fuel and recover from them. Mm-hmm. And then eating fat farther away. Okay. So another thing I talked about in there today is Pro, carbs start getting broken down in the mouth by enzymes. Protein gets broken down in your stomach, and fat gets broken down in the intestines. So fat takes the longest to actually break down, and it slows down all nutrient absorption completely. So, Which can be beneficial if you're worried about your glycemic index. Yes. If but you're, if you're training. And it's called the glycemic load. Yeah, so glycemic mm-hmm. index, anytime you add anything to a high glycemic food, it's called the glycemic load, and that'll lower your glycemic index. It'll lower the glycemic... 
it'll look, the food that's high in glycemic index is no longer high glycemic. Mm-hmm. So, um, like eating an apple with almond butter, or exactly mm-hmm. slows it down. So, and it won't spike your blood sugar as much. So that being said, also keeps you fuller longer. Right. So if you let's take me, I'll use myself as an example. I train late, early to late afternoon, so I eat really high fat in the morning, mm-hmm. all fats. And then, we'll and what would like a breakfast look like yeah. for you? That was another question. Like, I'm, like, I'm, <laughs> I'm eggs and avocado. I love it. I was eating a ton of bacon for a while. I was eating so much bacon. I hate to say this. I can't. I'm going to publicly say this. <laughs> I'm over it because I was eating so much. I was eating a pound a that day. That happened to me with sweet potatoes. I, I won't eat them. I won't eat sweet potatoes. Yeah, no, they happened to me. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. There's like this window at elevation that like people can peek through, and it just totally scared me. It was like, <laughs> so and, now, and Drew is standing in the window Hi. in his, uh, oh my and God. Yeah. Karen, Drew, Drew looks yeah. You can just ask people if they even lift tank top, adorbs. which it's adorbs. is amazing. So go ahead, you the bacon thing. so well. So yeah, I was, I was eating like a pound of bacon a day, and it got exhausting. I'm just kind of over it. I still cook my vegetables in bacon grease, but it's so yeah. tasty. Um, yeah, I can see that happen. Like, I got. So you got you got it exhausted from your system. Yes, yeah. and I'm, same with sweet potatoes. Yeah, I yeah. can't. Like, I wish so badly that I could eat sweet potatoes, and like I'm I can't eat them, them. But I'm just like, ugh. This yeah. is so I got sick of them when I was zoning. Yeah. Because all I ate was fucking sweet. So potatoes. what are you at now? What is your daily breakfast, lunch? Breakfast. Well, let's let's take my ideal training schedule. Yeah. Right? Actually, yeah. actually training ideal. like I should be. An ideal day for me is honestly for. Um, for, I'm, I'm not hungry when I wake up in the morning. Yeah. I intermittent fasted for years, and it's hard for me to break. So I'm trying to break it by force feeding myself in the morning. So actually, I get up in the morning. I do MCT oil in my coffee. Um, I'm not a bulletproof coffee person. Butter tastes good in my coffee, but I don't see the point of adding butter and MCT oil. Okay. It's whatever. Yeah. Um, one fun fact about MCT oil that I mentioned today is... The reason it's so popular is uh, MCT stands for medium chain triglyceride. The reason it's so popular is because it's the only substance on earth that that metabolizes the same way glucose does and can be used for energy without spiking your insulin. It's really weird how the way it works. So it it metabolizes just as quickly. It's Mm -hmm. not a slow digesting fat like every single other one is. So it can be metabolized quickly and readily and give you a ton of energy without spiking your insulin the way a carbohydrate does. So that's the whole thing with using the MCT oil in your coffee. Which is good for starting your day out. Yeah, especially if you don't train until later. Right. So um, I do coconut oil in my coffee. I love it. It's delicious. and then uh, I do super greens, scoop of super greens in the morning with like a little bit of hemp protein. And then I'll do eggs and avocado. You know what though? Avocado in New York City is like $4 a piece. And oh. it, it breaks my heart. The right. first time yes. I walked, the first time I walked to go grocery shopping there, I was like, are they always like this? Or is there like some, right. something weird? Is there an avocado <laughs> shortage? <laughs> <laughs> I was like, because I mean, there's, abducted this is how much I love avocados. Oh my gosh, she has to open this pit up. Oh, tattoo. That's amazing. She has tattoo on her couch, My mom lives in Southern California and she was, um, Complaining about something in Southern, she just she lives in Oceanside and she was complaining about something and I was like, yeah, how much do avocados cost? <laughs> and she was like, that's a good point. I was like, yeah, thanks. Right? Yeah, yeah shut up, mom. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, it breaks my heart how expensive they are. So I don't eat them like I used to. Um, and then I this I loved canned tuna. Like I fucking love it. People get so people are like you're so weird with canned tuna. I love canned sardines, and everyone's like that's Oof. disgusting. Yeah. That is kind of weird. I mean, <laughs> yeah, right? I like anchovies a lot, which sure. might be a little bit weirder than sardines, yeah. but um, and I just so I when I say like trace carbs, I'm talking like vegetables. So I I eat a ton of greens, ton of vegetables. I eat a lot of meat. And, and do you count those the veggies toward your macros? Mm-hmm. Because I like to I like to track and count them because it shows that I'm hitting my micros. Mm-hmm. And there's so much fiber in vegetables. It helps me make sure I'm meeting my fiber requirements. Um, I actually posted in really big detail what my ideal day was like. And now I can't even remember what on it On your said. Instagram? Yeah, it's yeah. on my Instagram. I posted a really deep. And on my Facebook fan page. Yeah. Well, we can your just Instagram, tell them. Yeah, you guys, Instagram. Can, you guys really should check out her. If you question, yeah. go to her Instagram right. and her. Um, and then people ask about my donut timing. I love how I treat donuts like they're their own macronutrient. <laughs> There's the carbs, the protein, the fat, and the donut. Um, that's reasonable. <laughs> so I try to have donuts uh, pre-workout because most I tell like a lot of my clients to have a banana and peanut butter or something like that. Mm. I choose donuts because I need to get my carbs in. Um, donuts are good post-workout too because they're even though they Keep do your, have fat, they have those. You're carbs. making me so happy right now. <laughs> yeah, just have them around your training time, and that's another thing. It's imp- it is impossible 
to store fat like the 90 minutes post training. So I tell PR people, drink it. Right? Super fan Chris, Chris, Chris G's on it. There's a yeah. guy who works out at our gym who has been on the podcast a few times. His name is Chris G. We call him Super Fan Chris G. Yeah. And he brings, they bring donuts every donuts. Saturday when they lift. Yeah. Yeah. And it's yeah. all, people yeah. always PR with the donuts. So, yeah, I, I do all my donuts like, you know, in the 90 minutes prior, 90 minutes after. Yeah. It's impossible to store fat 90 minute, the 90 minutes after training. Yeah. Yeah. So if you're going to eat some not good stuff, so that's the time to do it. Great. <laughs> yeah. Um, Rachel wants to know what is your life mantra or saying. She seems like I a liked cool that chick. One. Yeah, she's a everyone. Everyone that posted comments was like, I love her so much. Um, and then this might take a while, but maybe pick one or two. She says, also, what do her tattoos mean, if anything? What was her first one? Okay. Uh, <laughs> so the first so, question: What your mantra is? Um, that's hard to say. Like a life mantra or saying, or one of your favorites. I just have been one of those people who I'm very live in the now mm-hmm. and focus on what you have now. Um, because we don't, you know, the, we don't have the past anymore and the future is guaranteed. And yeah, our past might define us a little bit and have like built us in the person we are today, but you can't live in it. I've done a lot of really bad things. Uh, God, I'm going to cry. <laughs> so like being a drug addict for a long time, I, I did a lot of things like I wasn't proud of at all. And I couldn't forgive myself, couldn't forgive myself. I went years not being able to forgive myself and it really like messed up who I was as a person. When I finally, like I kicked drugs a long time ago, but I kind of used drinking to cope with those feelings of guilt um, and things I had done in past relationships, friendships, to my family, to myself, stuff like that. So uh, when I got sober, I kind of, you know, I, I go to AA, but I don't work the steps or follow the program. I just go to the meetings because mm-hmm. I like to be in a group of people who get me. Yeah. Right, who understand um, what it's like to feel that way. Right. And they've all, you know, even though all of our stories are different, we all know each other, you yeah. know. Yeah. So, um, and I, when I started going to meetings, I just, you know, learned to forgive myself. And I, I'm I'm not who I was in my past. My past has kind of built me into the person I am today. And I like to overanalyze. And I like to panic about everything and think oh, about yeah. things in the future and things that are out of my control and worry about what might happen in the future. And it's just life's so much better when you just look at what you have right now yeah. and focus on what you're doing right now. Yeah. If I'm up on my roof training, I've got a gym up on my roof. And so if yeah. I'm up on my roof training, worrying about something that's going to happen later in the week, my training's not on point. Mm-hmm. And I need to go up on that roof and I need to look at my beautiful city I live in and just focus on what's happening then. And so one thing I've really been trying to tell myself is like, be positive about I'm alive, I'm breathing. I have my friends, my family, I have an awesome boyfriend, awesome parent, you know, run, right. run three successful easy. businesses. And so I don't know. I just, that's one really big thing I've been focusing on recently is don't beat yourself up about the past. Don't overanalyze the future and just focus on what's going on in your life right now and what you can do right now to be positive. Amen to that. Yeah. yeah. Preach. Totally. <laughs> Now then, your tattoos. The Pick tattoos. One or two. <laughs> okay. She's like, Come people ask me how many I have, and I'm like, I don't know oh, when that I'll count your first one. Yeah, like your first one. Oh man. Okay. Uh oh. <laughs> My first one is now covered. <laughs> so when I was 15 in Cabo San Lucas, I was oh, with a friend. Yes. And I'm yeah, in Cabo. I'm in Cabo with my with my friend who was a little bit older than me, and she was like super cool, and everyone knew her, and she was like the prettiest girl in school, you know. Oh, and so God. she was like, "We should get tattoos," and I was like, "Okay, like I'd do anything this girl would say, you know." Right. So we're in Cabo San Lucas with my dad, and her and I went, and I'm like, "You have to be 18." She's like, "They're not gonna check." And I looked old when I was young. Like I was one yeah. of those people that could always lie about. I lied about my age for years and got away with it, <laughs> and then until I didn't have reason to anymore. Right. Yeah. I remember being in high school, going to college parties, being like, "I'm 18." never questioned um, so we go to get tattooed at this place and we picked each other's tattoos we picked Chinese symbols and of we course. were yeah, best friends and I was like let's pick each other's she picked the Chinese symbol that said crazy for me because I was always called crazy Chrissy like it's a joke because I've just always been kind of crazy <laughs> so she picks the Chinese symbol that says crazy she's like alright you go first I'm like okay Famous last words, right? I go first, and then she decides not to go. <gasps> no. Oh, that bitch. She freaked out. And so oh, it's actually right here uh-huh. under this peacock feather. Oh, nice. You can kind of see it. So, yeah, it. I had it there, and I remember my dad's, and I was like, oh, we got henna tattoos on the beach. I lied. Then it didn't go away. My mom freaked out. <laughs> she took me to get tested for hepatitis, like everything. Like, <gasps> I got a tattoo yeah. in Mexico. Yeah. And my mom was so mad. Mom was like, you're never hanging out with her again. That's so funny. So that was my first one, and it's now covered by a peacock feather on my hip. 
So why don't you talk about the peacock feather? Yeah. Does that have a story? It has no meanings. I had a crush on a boy that worked at a tattoo shop, and I needed a reason to go in there. That's amazing. That was actually a great story, actually. (laughs) He's Topher Wood. He lives in Reno, Nevada. And I was so gaga for him, and I didn't have any tattoos. And I remember seeing one of his ex-girlfriends who was covered in tattoos. So I went in there to have him cover that, and then I just slowly had him start tattooing me. And that's how the whole thing started. (laughs) And then he messed up my arm pretty bad, and so I had to go to a different tattoo artist to get my right arm finished. And it just didn't stop. I love my neck. Grant Cobb is one of my favorite artists ever, and so he's got a crazy waiting list. It's impossible to get tattooed by him. I had a friend who was dating him, and she's like, oh, I can get you tattooed by him. So we go into Spotlight Tattoo in Los Angeles, and he's like, all right, what do you want? I go, just tattoo my neck. And he's like, what? And he he like blew his mind. I was like, Cause he was my favorite, and I yeah, wanted something you're big like, and just crazy. Something you picked. Yeah, and so his he's really well known for his like cat heads. Uh-huh. So I was looking at all these tigers he had painted all over, and I'm like, do you like to do paint tigers? And he's like, tigers are my favorite to tattoo. So I was like, like that's what we're doing. We're gonna pick what's your favorite, so you do well. And he's yeah. like, and I just was gonna do one side. He's like, let's just do the whole thing. I was oh, like, that's okay, so cool. Wow. So I just did it. One how sitting. long did that take? One and sitting. It looks so painful. Oh my gosh. That was all one That's, sitting? Yeah, amazing. Oh my gosh. Eight hours. <laughs> On your neck? Yeah, and you know what? He... <sighs> It got. He did this side, and I had to lean over on it for him oh, to do that yeah. side. Oh. And I remember driving back down to Orange County, and my I swell really bad, so my whole throat was swelling. Oh, and I was like oh, freaking oh, out. Oh, yeah. Oh, and then it stabs up, and I was. Everyone at the gym was making fun of me because they were calling me Doctor Evil because I would move like this. Because <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't. I couldn't turn my body. And did it itch so bad? Oh yeah, and I couldn't touch it. Yeah. That was quite. That was quite a process. Oh to my heal. gosh, I feel like that would be like. Because, I mean, I, like, I've like i been really badly sunburned on my neck before. And I can, yeah, and that, you can't like, even move times. it. Yeah, yeah oh. it was awful. Oh, that sounds... Ugh. And then my favorite one, besides it on, is this one, my bowling pin. Oh, it says cute. strikes and gutters, ups and downs. Big Lebowski's my favorite movie. Oh, nice. So, yeah, yeah. that one's my Big Lebowski tattoo. Nice. So yeah. I, that's why it's my favorite. But I've got a lot of cool ones. I've been all over the world. I've gotten tattooed in Europe, England, New wow. Zealand, Australia. It's beautiful. You take so a lot of really rad photos on, you. on your Instagram, too. Do you have, I like, photographers that... No? Like, they're beautiful yeah. photos. I try, to, I try to, like, really... I don't know. I, I like, I'm into photography a little yeah. bit. And so my roommate is actually a photographer, but he doesn't help me with any of it. So I draw a lot of inspiration from him. He takes amazing, you should see his Instagram. He takes amazing pictures. So he's super artsy and into that. So yeah. kind of, I can't really draw well or anything. So yeah. I kind of use my little artsy skills it's really to take cool. some cool pictures. Yeah, I can definitely tell you're yeah. an artist in that way Thank too. you. Yeah. <laughs> so the question um, about your training schedule too. Right. So I'm I'm very uh, I have my own training method called Black Iron. That's kind of we named it after the gym because we're hoping that it kind of picks up. I've I've got a couple. Yeah, I've got a couple because you know people follow like outlaw programming and stuff like that. So I've got a lot of uh, CrossFit boxes that are actually following it right now. So it's very you can look at it and you see it's very Westside Barbell, but you can still see a bit of the CrossFit emphasis in it with the Metcons and stuff. Mm -hmm. But it's very powerlifting. West Side Barbell with mm-hmm. accessory work. And then I still do things for an aesthetic standpoint. Like, you can still see the bodybuilder in it a little right. bit. So what I do is, if any, and I let people subscribe to it if they want to. Um, so it's very, I find like a anywhere from a two to three to five rep max of a big lift every single day. So I'll take like six or eight attempts to hit a three rep max. And then I work off a percentage of that ma- of that max to do mm-hmm. volume and speed work. Okay. So I have my, that's all my strength stuff. And then I do accessory work and all my accessory work is to, done to get stronger at the big lifts like I never do pointless accessory work like I do a lot of like everything's always with a barbell free weights no more machines for me anymore yeah. especially now that I train on my roof right. I still love like I was talking about the other I was like I, I was like I just want to go do some leg extensions right and, like sometimes yeah. I just want to go I just want to see what it would look like if I did a tricep pull down right now right <laughs> and it's like sometimes it just feels good to go in and just burn your muscles out on a leg yeah. extension machine there's yeah. no other movement in the world that can like do that to your right. quads so, <laughs> so you I like straight up have a like a gym on your roof. Yeah. How, do, how do you drop the weights up there? <laughs> oh my <laughs> gosh, I broke. T- okay. <laughs> so we, um, Rogue sent me a bunch of equipment because we were going to open the gym sooner than we thought. It was like, oh yeah, we'll just get a bunch of equipment. We'll just keep it up on the roof for now and then we'll move it in to the gym when it opens. Well, they sent the perfect amount of equipment to like perfectly fit on my roof. I'm like, we're just <laughs> going to leave this up here. <laughs> 
and when the gym opens, we'll get the new one. <laughs> so we've got two deadlifting platforms up there, um, the rogue deadlifting platforms. We've got the squat rack, pull-up bar. We've got two row machines. We've got, like, ten wall balls. We've got ropes. We've got punching bags. We've got, like, 2,000 pounds of plates. We've got, like, oh ten different barbells. We've got an axle bar, a log oh press. Like yeah. I want to go to the gym. <laughs> we've got boxes up there. So you come up. It's like a fully equipped gym. Like, the only thing, we don't have an Airdyne. We don't, because we can't get an Airdyne, because I, I don't have an elevator. We carried all that up six flights of stairs. Shut the front oh door. We carried, we carried 3,000 pounds of freight up six. It was like, it took all day. Wow. And then built the gym on the roof. Yeah. The freight guy wow. was like, where's your elevator? I'm like, we don't have one. We're carrying this shit up. He was like, are you kidding me? It was <laughs> awful. Are you ready? Yeah. yeah. Like, hope, you're, hope you brought your big girl. Thing. Actually, one of my clients had just gotten into town that morning, and she showed up. She took a bus, like a six-hour bus ride to come to New York. So, oh, my gosh. Um, she gets there. I was like, hey, so all my gym equipment just got here, so this is going to be your workout for the day. She was so pissed. I, oh, my gosh. That's amazing. <laughs> so, yeah, we carried it all up there. But, yeah, it's rad. The only things we don't have is, like, an air diner, a GHD, because we can't get them up the stairs. Yeah. Be- <laughs> so, did you – I feel like you were going to say you broke something up there. Yeah. <laughs> So the other day, so the other day, the tiles are set up really weird. Like it's completely outfitted to be up on. It's like a terrace, yeah. you know. Like a lot of the roofs in New York City, you can just come out of a door and it's just yeah, sketchy it's as like shit. In the movies, you see. Yeah, it's it's like <laughs> like our neighbors. We look on the roof. We're like, sucks to be you because you yeah. can't play out here. Yeah. But our roof is is like set up to be like a terrace. Like there's lights, and everything out there. Oh, nice. Yeah. So they designed it that way. So the tiles. We lifted like romantic weightlifting. Yeah, yeah. It came, actually, we had a little romantic weightlifting oh. session today. Drew oh. made me dance to "Lady in Red." Slow dance on the. Oh, road. that is oh. so cute. In so, your lifting shoes? Yeah, it was. It was kind of <laughs> lame. But he, that, it was kind of lame, but he's all right, so it's, I let it slide. Pretty adorable. Um, pretty adorable. <laughs> 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 we got to post the picture of the two of us. Oh, we will. Two of us Oh my god, Karen's shirt on. It's. He looks better in it than I do. We just feel it out pretty well. Yeah, he's yeah. He feels it up nice. So the tiles are set up. Really, they're like elevated off the actual roof on these other styrofoam tiles. We lifted one up after we broke it to see what's going on. So it's not equipped. It's equipped for like a lot of weight, but not for a lot of weight to be dropped. So what we found out is if you drop anything from overhead, no matter what it weighs, it doesn't. The roof doesn't stand a chance. So I had 145 pounds over my head the other day, and I did 10 thrusters, and I did my last 145 pound thruster, and I just let it go. Yeah. It comes crashing down, and once I hit first, and the whole tile just. <gasps> And I go, and I'm looking at my buddy Mike was over training, and he's like, oh, I can't believe he did that. Then he did it too. So now there's two broken tiles, but he broke a tile under the platform. So it broke through the platform the way it hit. So then Drew, who snatches 300 pounds, was training on the roof the other day, and he he bailed out of a snatch, and he... (laughs) Like four, oh, so the owner of the building came up and is and I'm standing up there in my sports bra and he's just like oogling me and I'm standing there and he can barely speak a word of English and he's like, "Are you okay?" And I'm thinking I'm gonna get in trouble. He's like, "I was like, yeah, I'm fine. I'm sorry about the roof. I'll pay for it. How much are these tiles? Like, we'll get it fixed." He's like, "No, no, no. Are you okay?" I was like, "Yeah, I'm fine." He's like, "I can fix the roof. I can't fix you." And it's like totally, well, totally like cutesy hitting on me. I was like, "Well, thank you." And he's like, "It's fine. We'll figure it out." So I think we're gonna put plywood down under yeah. the platforms. Yeah. Something to distribute yeah. the weight a little or bit. Or no more boys allowed to lift on the no roof. Boys boys yeah. So that actually is a great segue into we are starting to get a little bit long time, but I wanted to talk to you a little bit about the training style, training men versus training women in terms right. of strength training. Um, Most of our listeners are ladies, and a lot of them, some of them are CrossFitters, some of them not so much, but everybody always has that moment of, like, I don't want to get bulky, I don't want to, you know, like, and so I guess when you have new clients come to you, how do you balance that? With um the first thing I always tell them is it's really hard for them to get bulky. Yes. It's, it's it's hard. It took me and you don't years like wake to get up my one size. Right. Oh my god, I got bulky. Right, and no it, it took that, right. it took me years to get my size. Now mm-hmm. I'm like I know I'm a, I'm a pretty big broad, but I like you know I work <laughs> hard to big put. Broad. I put I put a lot. I like I, it's taken me years to put on the muscle mm-hmm. mass that I have. Did you like, hear that, ladies? Did you hear that? Years. So it, it didn't just come on overnight. And yeah, the bulky thing definitely. But here's what people don't realize: is strength training doesn't get you bulky because it's low rep. Mm. So strength training is three to five reps of like max effort. It's lifting 10 to 12 reps that gets you, puts on size. That's hypertrophy volume training. So anytime you're doing 10 to 12 reps of high volume, that's that's how you get big. So strength training doesn't get you big. It's the way you have to eat to get really strong is Mm -hmm. why you see some people get so big. But 
three to five reps strength training, you're not going to get big. You're going to get really strong. And then once you get up to like really high rep, you know, conditioning stuff, obviously mm-hmm. you won't get big. But it's volume stuff of, you know. Which is ironic because a lot of women think like, well, if I use my like 15 pound dumbbell and do 100 reps, right. that I'm not going to get. You know, like it's a it's low so, weight. Yeah. Doing your like flies, yeah, curling, yeah, yeah. It's it's very it's very hard to get big, and with strength training, I I don't like to treat my women athletes any different than my men. I will give them kind of all the same programming, and I don't um, I don't really prescribe weight that much. I kind of do test retest stuff with all my clients, see where they're at, and then I kind of get into telling them where their weight should be at. But I don't really treat men and women different with strength training. Like, there's men and women that follow black iron, Mm -hmm. and they just kind of tailor it to them. And that's why I'm such a big fan of find your three-rep max for the day. Right. Because my one-rep max... (laughs) Stop being Drew's back. (laughs) I know. (laughs) We have to take a picture of this, because it's, like, the most creepy, like, window slash stocking window. Yeah. Keep talking. So... <laughs> so that's that's why I'm such a big fan. Like for example, my my one my one rep max isn't my PR. Yeah. Like right. I'll hit a PR on a really good day, and but I I might not be able to hit that PR again for a while. So I don't I I take those things into consideration. That's why I'll have people work up work off your three rep max for the day. Find your three rep find your three rep max for mm-hmm. the day, and then work off a percentage of that for speed work. Yeah. Opposed to just working off your one rep max and working yeah. off your right. PR. Or working off the PR you hit one time three months ago. Right. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I'm just a really big advocate of kind of focusing on that each going day. Again, living in the now, day right. by day. Focus yep. on your training for the day. Don't look, you know, stuff yeah. like that. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. So where else can they can our listeners find you? Oh man, you have donuts and deadlifts. I've got donuts and deadlifts, and you can order some really cool shirts there. Yeah, very and cool then, shirts. And um, then I'm on Facebook. And it's just facebook.com backslash kmakags. Instagram, Twitter, if you don't mind my potty mouth, pretty bad on Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> Twitter's my favorite because I can get away with saying whatever yeah, I want. Yeah. Opposed to Twitter's it, kind of like I, the, yeah. the sites that got Twitter. Twitter's, Twitter, Twitter's fun great. for me because I get to like really interact and like talk shit yeah, to people. It's funny. It's Whereas like Instagram, I, I represent a lot of big companies. So I, yeah. even though I am kind of a smart ass, I'm still very, I try yeah. to keep it pretty professional. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, Facebook as well. So I post different content on all of it. I don't like to be super redundant, you know, yeah. like, uh, you're going to get a lot of fun food pictures if you're on Instagram. You're going to get a lot of info and articles. Like, I use Facebook for a lot of, like, knowledge. Yeah. Instagram's kind of just for fun. And then Twitter's just bullshitting. Yeah. Yeah. But Instagram's really, we don't. you have a lot of really cool stuff on Instagram, too. Though. I yeah. try. I try to make every post have a purpose, whether it's just yeah. to, like, be funny or... Mm-hmm. But you're very thorough, too. I so try it's to like, be. There's yeah. a lot of good information on Instagram, yeah. too. It's, yeah. I, I was, I've, been, I've looked back at some of my posts, and I'm like, I am thorough. <laughs> you are thorough. Yes. This is a long... It's a long caption, but it was worth it. You, that's why you would write a book in like a day because you think about it like, oh, that's such a big thing. But yeah. with all your posts on Instagram, Everything. you'd be like, oh, here's a book already. I'm already done. Here's the book. Yeah. So yeah, I, I try yeah. to post a lot of training ideas. Um, my website, kmakags.com. I got all my ebooks on there, my flexible mm-hmm. dieting book. I just finished up a book. A, we wrote a book all about conditioning. Mm-hmm. So about rather than doing cardio condition your body right. with like weighted cardio you know as opposed that's, to like going on a four hour long run right exactly so that book will be out soon for everybody to look over it kind of teaches you actually how to program yourself too oh, nice. I'm a real I like to have I don't like to just I don't know I like all of my products to be like learning tools yeah like I like to teach people I'm yeah. a teacher yeah so, but people want to know your story too. Yeah, I'm gonna go ahead and say that. Okay. I think that's gonna be that'll be the next book. Yes. yes. Well, thank you. It's joy. Yeah. Well, thank you so much. No, I thank you for having me. It was a really long really week of doing seminars yes, here and traveling, sleepy. and yeah, yesterday was a long day. Yeah, I'm gonna go, go, get a go get some food. Do it. I'm gonna find that donut shop tomorrow too. <laughs> Do it. Well, thank you for having me. Yeah, thank you. It's been, been a fun. pleasure. I'll talk to you next week. All right. Bye. Bye.